Welcome back to Soul of a Warrior. This is your disordered host, Morgan Pate, diagnosed borderline personality disorder. Do you realize that diagnosing someone with a personality disorder is looking at them and telling them, you are not what we think is normal, and so we're going to tell you what's wrong with you, but we also named a disorder that has no specific condition. You have to have at least five of these nine traits, personality traits, to be categorized into this group of people that we think are weirdos. And what you need to do to not be in this category is to fix yourself. So how do you fix your personality? Do you realize how hard it is to change your personality? What even makes up a personality? The way you laugh, the way you talk, the things you like, the friends you have, the things you and like really enjoy doing. I don't know. Um, your speech, your your moods, your um, what you get excited about, what you get m- mad about. It's, it's really hard to change your personality. I mean, think about it. You have this personality, and, and that's what makes us all unique, right? Our personality. And when a, a doctor tells you that you, are, you have a disordered personality and that you need to change it, and here are the steps to, to change it, holy shit. It's like... Your, your world comes crashing down because it's like, wait, there's something wrong with me? It, God, it frustrates the heck out of me because it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's, it's that you have toxic traits and you, you didn't grow up knowing that those things that you do are toxic because you're probably surrounded by a lot of toxic people. But it's your responsibility to become a healthy member of society. So that's why doctors categorize people as having a personality disorder. I am very disordered. (laughs) Very disordered. I have a long slew of, of issues just because of the things that I have been through. Um, a lot of those things are PTSD, major depression, severe anxiety, and a personality disorder to top it off. I recently had a panic attack. If you've ever had a panic attack, it literally feels like you are dying. It feels like you're dying, like you're having a heart attack. And for me... I have heart palpitations. What does that look like? It's literally your heart rate is so high that you can, you can look down and see, see the left side of your chest coming up and down, up and down. And your heart is beating so fast and it's so scary. Um, The first time I had a panic attack, I've, I've really bad anxiety. Okay. And I, 
just started smoking weed. You know, once I moved to Colorado, it was legal and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, you know, I got this double percolator bong. I think, you know, because I thought like that's just how you smoke weed. You just get a bong. But now I realize that there's like different, there's like a hierarchy. The young kids use the bongs and the, the older, more mature folk, they, they smoke blunts and joints and whatever. But I smoked an entire bowl, like on my own, you know, out of a bong and it hit me so hard. I went back inside, I was cooking some mac and cheese and I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was having a heart attack. And I, my friend, Rachel and my roommate Houston, they were over at the time and I like collapsed in the living room and I was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And I, <laughs> I'm also really high. So I'm like talking, I'm like, I can't breathe in Houston. He's like, Morgan, if, if you couldn't breathe, you wouldn't be able to talk. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm crying hysterically and, and like my heart's beating. It was so fucking scary. So scary. I thought I was dying. Um, my heart rate was so high that I like couldn't think, you know, it's like no oxygen is getting to your, your brain. You're hyperventilating, you're crying, you you think you're going to die. They called an ambulance. The ambulance, uh, the paramedics were, were like, yeah, just chill out for a second until you calm down. Um, Rachel was like, yeah, she smoked a lot of weed. So after that incident, I remember my body, I was just so, like, I don't know, it was the weirdest feeling. Like, I felt like I had just been up for, like, three days straight with no sleep, you know? Um, that's how it felt. And I remember for the next couple of days, I was just so exhausted. And I just, my body needed rest. Um, you know, your heart, your heart really uh, suffers, I think, a lot during a panic attack. But recently... I had my second big panic attack. And I, I think I've had a lot of these over the years, but not this severe. So I've had two really bad ones. The second one, I was on a date. <laughs> I was on a date and I had I had met this man a couple weeks prior. He seemed like he was really interested in me. Um, he, he was very kind. He... He liked me a lot, but there were some things that were making me uncomfortable. Um, he just, he liked me a little too much, you know, like, you know, like people like don't, don't like you that much. You know, you, usually there's this period of, of trying to get to know someone. You don't just meet them and automatically you're in a relationship. And that's kind of what it felt like. You know, and I was just kind of like, I don't know, this seems too much too soon. So I'm already kind of like feeling that way. And we we spent the whole day together. Um, and that evening we went and got a blunt. We got the badass blunt. And we decided to smoke it outside in the hammock. Just enjoy ourselves. 
and we come back in and my anxiety sets in. I barely know this person. He's sitting on my couch. I'm high as fuck. And I tried to turn on the TV, wouldn't turn on, and I was like pacing back and forth and he was, he was watching me. And I mean, yeah, I guess what, what else is he going to look at, you know? I mean, he's, he's like staring me down and, and then my anxiety is like increased even more. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Um, and I panicked so bad. I then went to the bathroom. I locked the door. I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, are you having a panic attack or is this really happening? I thought that this man was going to murder me. I say that with 100% confidence that my perception was real. And it may be funny, it may be comical, but I am telling you, panic attacks are no fucking joke. My anxiety got really bad. My heart rate increased. I remember I started breathing more heavily and I panicked. I thought this man is going to kill me. And I thought every single detail through. If I leave this bathroom, he's going to stop me and he's going to hurt me. But what do I do? I tried to call five different people that are in running distance of my home. None of them answered. That's okay. It was about 1030 at night. So then I panicked even more. I don't know what to do. I then thought, he's going to know that I'm in here and he's going to start wondering why I'm in here for so long. I turn on the shower thinking that maybe he would think I'm taking a shower. And then I dialed 911. It rang and then I hung up. I'm like, no, he's going to hear me on the phone with him. He's going to be outside the door listening. I didn't know what else to do. This man is going to kill me. And no, I had no other rational thought. I just knew for certain, like, this guy's going to murder me. And I don't know why I felt so strongly about that. Um, I then decided to break open the screen on my bathroom window and jump out. I ran. And my bathroom window is in my neighbor's yard. So I, I ran through their yard. And then I came around near my front door and then the dog started barking. Then I thought he's going to know that I'm out here and he's going to come outside and fucking kill me. I don't know. Like I had no, no rational thoughts. You know, that it was so real to me. It was so real. I don't even know. It's not like I was. It was so real. (laughs) That's all I can tell you. And. I went next door 
to my neighbor's house. I ring the doorbell and I'm like keeping an eye on, on my front door just in case he comes outside. I was going to run. Um, they answered the door. I was like, can I come inside? They're like, yeah, of course. I didn't have shoes on. You know, I'm in sweats. And I'm crying um, hysterically. I'm hyperventilating. And they're like, what's wrong? I, I said, I was on a date. And I think this man's going to kill me. Um, I don't know what to do. And they're immediately alarmed. Like, this is really, this is concerning. We don't know. And I'm like, I, I need to call the cops. I don't, maybe they can get him out of there. Um, so I called the cops and I, I handed the phone over to my neighbor and, um, I like, I couldn't remember the address when you're hyperventilating, there's no oxygen going to your brain. And so it's like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't think I couldn't make decisions. All I kept telling everyone, I was like, look, I have PTSD from a sexual assault. I don't know if this is real or if I'm having a panic attack because it feels real. And part of me talking about this openly, I don't want to talk about this. Let me just put that out. I do not want to tell anyone about this. It's embarrassing. But I really want to speak out for everyone that goes through similar situations. Panic attacks and PTSD, um, sometimes, you know, it feels real. The situation feels so fucking real and we are unable to differentiate whether our perception is accurate or not. It feels like we are in whatever traumatic moment that we had. It feels like we're back in that moment and it's happening all over again. Those emotions come back. They just like flood our brain and we feel all the same emotions like we're reliving it. No matter what happened to you, it's it's a similar response, a similar trauma response of panic, anxiety. You're, you know, you're hyperventilating, your, your blood pressure rises um, and you, you have this response of this flight, fight, fawn, and I believe there's another one, but um, fight, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's happened to me a couple times, you know, uh, fawn, and then flight is the biggest thing for me. I, I fucking run, I book it, and I'll go into more detail about a couple other times, um, that this has happened to me, but yeah, so the cops came, they got the guy out and paramedics were like, your blood pressure is a 165 over whatever. And, uh, they're trying to calm me down and they're like trying, they, they asked me if I want to go to the hospital. Cause I don't, who am I going to call? You know, none of my friends would answer. And I was like, let me call one more friend. So I called a friend, um, that lived like 30 minutes away and, and she came and let me spend the night at her house. So grateful for that. But the whole way, you know, she was talking to me, like, ask me questions. What color is the wall? What um, shape is the couch? What shape are the cushions on the couch? Like very, very simple questions. And I'm telling you, it helped so much. 
it's like you're talking to a two-year-old because you're you're emotional um you know you're, you're not able to to think you're not able to calm yourself down and, and um those questions really do help just just allowing you to slow down your thought process and focus on something um it helps a ton and I didn't know what to do in that situation I didn't know how to calm myself down I didn't have tools you know um tools as in like I wasn't prepared for this to happen and I have like a little device that I hooked to my ears that that sends like a, a um a pulsating shock through my brain to help calm me down um but like I didn't have anything like that. I didn't have, you know, a pen and paper to draw or, you know, a notebook or anything. I didn't have anything to, to that I would use as tools. And so in that moment, I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm freaking the fuck out. This man is going to kill me. So that happened. I was very, very embarrassed. Um. For the next couple of days, my body was just like, I felt like crap. Um, I think it's really hard on your heart when you go through something like that. And um, I slept a lot. And I think that the shame and the embarrassment crept in. And it was like, I felt crazy. You know, a lot of us do when you go through something like that. You have this traumatic experience that brings you back to that moment that you're in. No one outside of me knows what's going on in my mind, but they don't understand why I'm freaking out. I'm telling them, I think this man is going to kill me. It feels real. There's no talking me out of it. It feels so real. And... The next day when I realized that it, it may not be real, that it might just be a panic attack, I felt crazy, very crazy. And there's so much shame and so much, you know, I'm extremely hard on myself and I just, I felt horrible. I felt horrible about barging in on my neighbors, um, having all those people in, in their house. And then also calling my friend and her husband to, to come get me in the middle of the night, you know. And um, it was a, a awful experience. It was for everybody. And that, that guy still wanted to talk to me after that. I was like, you got to be fucking crazy to, to talk to me after that. That was like, you know, I just fucking locked myself in the bathroom and jumped out the window. And you still want to date me? Uh, hell to the no. You know, and my perception is still that he wanted to murder me. So I don't, you know, and like knowing that it's a panic attack, I still see that person, you know, I have black on my thinking. And so I still see that person in a negative light. Like something, something that you were doing set me off and triggered me and, and it made me really uncomfortable. So don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. You're not the only one. And, um, I don't, I don't like talking about it. I don't want to be here telling the whole world on this platform uh, about it, but we need to. We need to have more open conversations about mental health because 
it's a natural response for the human body to react in these ways. I've had a couple less severe panic attacks. Um, one, a girl that I worked with invited me out. She was an instructor for dance um, at a bar one night. And I wasn't drinking. So it's like a, a very sensual dance, right? And you get close to your dance partners. Well, I was feeling uncomfortable. You know, you have multiple dance partners, multiple males touching you, touching your lower back. You're getting very close to them. And then this older man wanted to dance with me and I don't I don't know what it was, but it made me so uncomfortable. Um, like he made me so uncomfortable and I my trauma response is flight mainly. So what did I do? I booked it out of there and I didn't say bye to my friend and how do you explain that to somebody? How do you explain it? On the outside, you know, it, it looks like I'm mad. You know, I just, like, took off and didn't say bye. didn't have rude, you know. But, like, how do you explain, look, I have a lot of trauma. I don't. I have PTSD. Um, I have really bad anxiety. And the feelings that I felt, I, I couldn't. I panicked. And I booked it out of that bar as soon as possible. Um, once I left, I walked probably a quarter mile, like not a quarter mile, like, uh, three quarters of a mile to any high heels, um, to a bar and just sat there and drank because like, I didn't know at the time how to cope with how I was feeling. Um, so don't use alcohol to cope first of all, but it's okay to leave if you're feeling uncomfortable. It's okay to get out of that situation and take a breather. You're not alone. Yeah, it's, it, it feels embarrassing. Yeah, you feel crazy. But take care of yourself. Don't force yourself to stay in that situation just because, just to make other people happy. The fourth situation, um, I was on a date. Um, I had been on several dates with this guy. I talked to him for a couple months, and um, I panicked, and I grabbed all my things, and I booked it out of his house. And I didn't want to sleep with him, and he called me, and I said, no means no. And... He blocked me on everything and told me that I was crazy. My response, me leaving abruptly, that was a trauma response. And again, it was my flight response where I just run. It's okay. You're okay. And you're not alone. Um, it's not your fault that this is happening to you, but you're not the only one. 
I think there are ways to calm yourself down in the moment when you leave. You know, a lot of people fight um, and fawn too. I've had that before, but fighting is, I can't help you there. Fighting's something that you really got to work on, on your own. Um, because it's, it's like a switch flips and you want to beat the shit out of somebody. I also understand that, but that's, that's very, um, specific to the individual. So you have to calm yourself down. Um, fawning, the fawn response is difficult because you just shut down and you don't want to talk and you just, you know, you feel hollow. I think in that moment, setting boundaries, maybe taking a, a step away if you can. For, for me, it was usually in the car like with my parent. Um, I do that. I didn't have anywhere to go. It was just in the car ride and being screamed at. Uh, for no reason at all. So I remember the fawn response of just shutting down and like staring at the window, counting light posts as we drove up, you know, by counting trees, counting, you know, I would do that um, just to, to dissociate. But I think the biggest thing for you know, you can't control those other people, but you can set boundaries for what you are willing to deal with and what you're not. Um, it's okay to take a step away. It's okay to ask people to leave your home. It's okay to block people. It's completely okay to do that. You do whatever you need to do to keep yourself sane. Um, I'm not saying you know, be completely irrational, but I'm telling you that when I have panic attacks, it feels so fucking real that no one is talking me out of it. And I do what I need to do to protect myself in that situation. Um, I've considered getting a protection dog just to ensure that, that I'm I'm not going to shoot somebody um, out of misperception. And also that I have a man-eating dog by my side at all times. So, I mean, those are things that I've considered for myself. I hope that, that this reaches whoever needs to hear it. And um, I know I know it's tough. I know it's hard. Healing is possible, but you're not alone at the end of the day. And... It's better to speak out about it and ask for help, even if people don't understand, because healthy people are empathetic and healthy people will lend a listening ear. And, you know, healing is possible. You're going to get through this. I hope you enjoyed what I had to say. I hope you got something from it. Please stay tuned for my next episode. Check out my Instagram at soul underscore of a warrior and my website, www.soulofwarrior.com. I just recently put up some really cool handmade rings. Um, I believe they're made in another country, not Spain, but some really cool rings and um, some really cool wall decor. Some, uh, a guy in Spain 
um, does wood carvings. And so I'm selling a bunch of those on my website. So please check it out. Thanks for listening. Take care.